0: Well, as I get started, I just want to give um, a quick little um, commercial. I've been battling some sickness, and I finally listened to my mom and a lot of my church moms. And uh, I went to the doctor battling with a little bit, and so my wife prepared me a little tea. And so if I have a little bit of a coughing fit, I'll be okay. Uh, I may lose part of a lung in the midst of it, uh, but, but uh, I'm okay. Pray for me. I'm leaving tomorrow with our elementary boys for kids camp, and so hopefully this will get knocked out before, before that. So just be patient if I have to take a second and uh, cough, it'll be okay, we'll get, through, we'll get through this together, and I thank you for your patience. Well, we're going to start a new series today, kind of a one-off type uh, message series in the sense of a lot of times when we do these teaching series, each message kind of builds on the previous. Uh, this is going to work a little different. We're going to look at psalms, uh, and each week we'll look at a specific psalm. Uh, and we're calling the series Summer Jams. Uh, I love music that is specific to uh, that time of year, and so we're going to do a little name that tune. We'll see how good you guys are at music, and we'll see how this goes. And so here's the, the first one. It's only like four seconds, so we'll see who's really good at music. Uh, we'll hear the four seconds. I'll ask if you know the song title, who sang it, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay, so here's the first one. It's not summertime, I don't think. Summer Lovin', Summer okay, from, uh, from Greece, okay. Uh, here's the second one. Summer 69, Brian Adams, okay, very good, very good. All right, this one may be a little harder. Okay, here we go. In the summertime, who sings it? Oh, yeah, Mungo Cherry, good, good, good. I remember, yeah, very good. Walking on the sun, yeah, all right. Smash Mouth, here's my favorite. Summertime, all right, all right. DJ Jazzy Jeff and The Fresh Prince, yeah, yeah. Now, this one's hard, okay? I'll be impressed uh, if, if anyone can get this one. Tim, you know it? Yeah, Charles Gambino. Very good. Feels like summer. All right, all right. Hey, there's something about music, right? There is something. Even as you hear those, uh, those songs, there's something that kind of stirs up in you. Uh, music is created to do that. Uh, someone uh, who is extremely intelligent, uh, Oliver Sacks. He's a leading neurologist, writer. He's a professor of medicine at NYU. He says, music evokes emotion, and emotion can bring its memory. Uh, You can probably even remember some places where you've heard these songs. Uh, Maybe you've even seen these bands live. There's something that stirs in you when you hear music. It is a powerful tool. Music is a powerful tool, and even a powerful tool that can help us spiritually. You may not know this, but there's a portion of the Bible that was written in poetry poems uh, and in and, and songs with lyrics that are meant to be sang, especially in worship. Uh, these are some of the most honest writings that we have in the Scriptures, uh, if you're new to the Bible, you can open the Psalms and you may read some things and you begin to think, I'm surprised this is still in the Bible because the writers are so honest about where they're at, how they're feeling, and what life looks like, and how they see God. Uh, many of these maybe were written in private, but they weren't necessarily meant to be read in private. They were meant to be, be read corporately. Uh, they were meant uh, not just from the emotions of one person, uh, but groups of people. It was as if one person was speaking for a community. And these, some of these psalms, we're going to look at today, was written about 3,000 years ago. And the person or group of people who wrote that, I don't think was just writing it for them, but writing it for us as well. Uh, one person wrote this about the psalms. It says, the psalms are written to awake and express and shape the emotional life of God's people. So as we talk about emotion, you're not a robot. Uh, You were created by God with emotion. Uh, The way you feel, um, the way you experience things uh, make you really who you are. You're an emotional being. Emotion is not bad. Uh, Emotion expressed to God, even those emotions that maybe we try and push away, they're not bad. But I think we shy away. I I don't know about you, but often the people I'm around, even myself, I find myself shying away from emotion. You might even hear someone say, well, they're just too emotional. Right? We, we even see that as a bad thing. Maybe you even said that to your children. Why are you being so emotional? And so we, we kind of push our emotion to the side. Uh, we have a hard time expressing our love to people even at times. I remember Heather and I just celebrated, my wife and I just celebrated 17 years uh, being married yesterday. Yep. That's good, that's good. Uh, I can remember uh, days going by where I wanted to express to Heather about 19 years ago how I felt about her, right, and how difficult that was, and even saying for the first time that I loved her, right? We, we would sit in the parking lot of an elementary school just around the corner from our university, um, and, and I can remember the emotion that I experienced trying to tell her for the first time that I loved her. It's hard. It's hard for us to express emotion, even the good emotion. We have a hard time expressing the pain that we experience, the pain that we felt from someone close to us who maybe said things or treated us unkindly. It's hard for many of you to deal with conflict in a healthy way. If we can't deal with our emotions just, you know, here on earth with people, it's not uncommon for us to struggle with our emotions with the God of the universe, the one who has created all things. How do we speak to him in the emotions that we're experiencing? And I think this is where the Psalms are so helpful. This is what they're doing. And I think what we can learn from them. And not just learn from them, but actually use the Psalms. And so there's different kinds of Psalms. Uh, we're going to look at several over the next couple of weeks. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible around you somewhere. Uh, we're going to look at Psalm 42 today. Uh, I Some of you take notes and some of you don't. Uh, This is one of those I'm going to encourage you, uh, maybe even notes in your phone uh, on a piece of paper that you're going to write down a few things uh, because I I really think there's some tools and some things that will help you in the midst of uh, Psalm 42. And if you were to open the Bible and you look at Psalm 42, like a lot of Psalms, uh, there's going to be a little header and it's going to give a little information about maybe who wrote it, uh, when they wrote it, uh, how it was meant to be used, something like, for the director of music, a psalm of David. We, we have a lot of psalms from, from David. Uh, or the direct, for the director of music with stringed instruments, even instruction on how it should be played. And so this one, the one we're looking at today, says, For the director of music, a maskil of the sons of Korah. Now, what does that matter and what does that mean? Uh, first, maskil, no one really knows. I always enjoy reading the Bible and then reading some commentary and and then looking up and everyone's like, no one really knows what that means. Uh, They're kind of confused by that word. It's not real common. And so the one thing they believe it means is something with strong instruction or to give clarity. They think if they can figure it out, they think it's a psalm of giving instruction to those who hear it. And it's being written by the sons of Korah. It's a group of priests. Charged with the ministry of music. So there were a group of people who were writing these Psalms to help others, and they were writing them out of their own experience. Uh, I'm a part, we're a part of the Church of the Nazarene, and uh, every year we ordain people into the, the ministry. Uh, we affirm their call into ministry. Uh, that happened to me several years ago, and there's always this thing called the elders' choir. And those who are, or are ordained will come together with the purpose of ministering through music. Now, I've told you I don't sing, uh, and so everyone thinks it's funny when I tell them I have to go sing in uh, a choir, right? But, but part of that role is to minister through music, and the guy who leads it often tells us to make sure we're singing our parts, and I'm telling him, where's the lip sync part? Uh, what, where does that look like? Uh, but that is the purpose of that, and the purpose of this was this group of people who are writing out of their experience to help others, instruct others how to deal with what's going on in their life. And so it's in this psalm that the sons of Korah are actually writing to address spiritual depression or dryness or the feeling of being alone, of feeling lost, of wondering where God is. What do you do when you begin to doubt or struggle or feel confused? What do you do when you show up on Sundays and you see people raising their hands in worship and there's just nothing in you that is sparking that? You want it, but you just don't feel it. You, you pray, but you, you feel like they're empty. You, you read scripture and it's confusing and you just don't get anything out of it and, you are battling and trying to connect with God but you feel lost or dry or you feel this spiritual depression. Can I just be honest with you. One reason I've picked this psalm is because I've had that season of life lately. The the season of just oftentimes feeling spiritually alone. Of of wondering in situations and circumstances God are you there? And and in those moments, what do we do? How do we not give up? How do we battle and hold on to hope in the midst of those things? See, here's my hope, is because this psalm has been really helpful to me over the last few weeks and months. And maybe you find yourself in a spiritual season of that, and I hope that this psalm is really helpful to you today. And if you're not, maybe you're in that place where you feel a deep connection to God Uh, maybe a season may come when you don't. And my hope is that you'll be prepared to make it through it. So let's look at this psalm. Uh, As I said before, this psalm was written uh, 1032 B.C. That was a long time ago. And just as a side note, one of the encouraging things to me is over the years, specifically the psalms, uh, someone could have taken some psalms out, right, in the midst of like, man, that's... That's really honest what you're saying. Maybe. Do we want to leave that in there? Right? But, but, but through the years, through the generations, we have these psalms of just pure honesty where those who have really put the Bible together with the direction of the Holy Spirit has said this is vital to the health of people. The spiritual health uh, is, is important, and this is going to, to help. So I'm going to read Psalm 42, and I'll explain, I may jump in a few times, but we're going to look at a few things that the writers of this psalm do to really hold on to hope in the midst of their spiritual depression. Verse 1, Psalm 42. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants For you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is within me, a prayer to God, to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, and my God. The writers of this are literally fighting for hope in the midst of their emotion and experience. You can see and feel the battle that the writers are going through, this emotion of both extremes. So how can we, how can you, Stand in hope when your emotions maybe are leading you in a different direction. Your circumstances, your experiences are leading you away from holding on to the hope of God. If you use any sort of GPS, if you use a smartphone, uh, there's a moment if you get off track, uh, there's a phrase that is said and that is recalculating. And what's happening there is it's really trying to get you back on track. It's getting you back on the right path. There's some things that are going to happen in this psalm that the writers are doing that are really just trying to help nudge you to encourage you back on track, back on the path of holding on to hope. So what do we see them doing in Psalm 42? Well, we see in verse 9 something I think some of us may be afraid to do. He asks God why. And I think that's one of the things we often feel like we can't do. Like things happen and and we feel these emotions and we have this hurt and we feel abandoned and we feel like, even though we think them, and you might even say God knows your thoughts, but there's something about verbalizing it. We're afraid of expressing that emotion to God. And we see in Psalm 42 very clear, the writers ask God, why have you forgotten me? Why in the midst of what I'm going through, why are you not Taking care of me. He feels as if he's been forgotten in the midst of oppression, taunted by enemies. I mean, he literally has people saying, Yeah, where is your God in the midst of all of this? And I think at some point he probably begins to wonder the same thing. So I don't know about you. Do you feel like in the moments of turmoil, of despair, of hurt, of pain, of feeling lost, do you feel like you can express? honestly how you're feeling to God? Can you speak your emotion to him in the midst of grief and mourning and loss? the midst of trying to take care of your family financially, of trying to get a job and it just seems like nothing is coming through? Maybe you felt betrayed by friends or family, you felt left out, you don't feel like you belong. Maybe, and I think this happens for many people who have been around religion or church for an extended periods of time, and you find yourself sitting in a pew on most Sunday mornings. Uh, Maybe you just feel like it's been a while since you have felt or heard the voice of God. And you want it, and you're asking for it, and there's these seasons of dryness. Or you see the things that are going on around our world, people treated unfairly based on gender or race. Or nationality, or religion, and we see bad things happening, and we cry out, "God, where are you?" And here's what I want you to hear this morning: is I really think you can speak your emotions to God. That we believe that God is a good Father. Uh, I, I'm a, a father who deeply loves my kids. I'm not afraid of them asking why. I'm not afraid of them questioning when they're hurting or in pain why things are. Happening. And we believe God is the best father who can handle those things when we call out to Him. However, they don't stay there. This is the emotion that they battle between the emotion of questioning and wondering, but they don't stay in that place because number two, so the first thing is they ask God why. Number two is He recognizes the authors, they recognize who it is that they're asking why. He says, even before asking why, he says, I say to God, my rock. God, you're my rock. You're never changing. You are always there. I will build my foundation on you. I know who you are. I take great comfort in knowing that. He praises him. He calls him his savior and God. He knows the only thing that he has is God. And so it's in the midst of asking why and wondering where God is and what God is doing that he doesn't lose the truth of who God is. His circumstances, his situations, he, even his own emotions do not cause him to forget who God is. And so in the midst of what may be going on in your life, what are you holding on to that is unchanging, unchanging, that will always be present. Hebrews 6, 19 says, we have this hope, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. That the psalmist may not have known Jesus, this was written before Jesus comes along, but there's something in the, Psalm, in the psalm's writing and heart that believes that all of his hope is in God, that God will come through for him. And so just like I said, your circumstances, your situations don't change the truth about who God is or what he has done for us. Even when we struggle or question, God is still for you. God is still with you. His presence is around you. So be quick to be honest with your emotion. Be quick to wonder and to ask why things are happening to the God who has created all things. But would you also remember who it is that you're saying why to? That he is our rock. That we will hold tightly to him in the midst of all of the emotions that we are experiencing. And then one of the most important ones, I think, is he begins to speak to his soul. He talks to himself. Some studies have been done that say on average we take in twenty to 30,000 words every day. Uh, I don't know if that's counting what you read. Um, if it's social media, that might double for some of us if it doesn't count uh, uh, social media. Uh, but if you don't know this, and I'm sure you do, words carry a lot of power. They carry a ton of power. Uh, Proverbs 18:21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And when we read this scripture, when we read this, what I often think of is the words I speak to other people that I have the power of life or death every time I open my mouth and I speak to someone, or when someone else speaks to me. They have the power of life to uplift me, to encourage me, or the power of death. But as I read this, I begin to think, you know what also happens is the voice that we speak to ourselves. The, the way you talk to yourself. You know you talk to yourself, right? We, we all talk to ourselves. Probably most of the words we hear are the words of our inner self. And I just have to say, knowing from my own experience, we often don't choose to use words that give life to ourselves. Some of the most powerful words you could hear are the words you would say to yourself. See, the words we often say is nothing's gonna change. That nothing's gonna change in my own heart, in my own mind, in my actions, nothing will change. I've been trying to change, nothing's going to change. Or that voice begins to bring back the problems of yesterday, or of last year, or when we were a kid, it, it wants to remind us of the mistakes that we've made. Yeah, yeah, we know we're forgiven and we believe that God has forgiven us, but, but we often hold on to those experiences and those things, and we use the voice in our mind to speak negatively to us. It convinces us not to try, we'll believe the voice that says we're defined by our mistake, a voice that causes doubt in ourselves and in God. A voice that says that they're the ones who is wrong. They're wrong. They need to apologize and keeps us from seeking to make amends first. Something inside of us that says your marriage is just too far gone. Why try? Right? There's this voice inside of us that is powerful and we have to begin to hear a different voice. We have to begin to speak differently to ourselves. We have to change that voice that rings in our head. See, here's what I want to tell you. You need to become a preacher. You do. You you need to begin to preach to yourself. It, It doesn't take me standing up here in front of you to tell you what the word of God says. It doesn't take someone else to speak words of life and encouragement into your soul. You can do this yourself. You need to be the best preacher you hear every day. This is what's happening. He does it twice in verse 5 and 11. He begins to speak to his soul and he says, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so disturbed? And then he begins to speak truth. He says, soul, put your hope in God. Praise him. Who is he? He's the one who has saved you and rescued you and is with you. He is your God. In the midst of spiritual depression, of feeling lost and alone, in turmoil or despair, he stands up and he speaks truth to his soul. He questions why he's downcast and disturbed. He calls his soul to grab on and not to let go of the hope that he knows is true. He says, listen up, soul. In the emotion that he's experiencing, he says, would you believe, soul, in the hope that we've been holding on to, we are holding on to, and we will forever hold on to? And so you're already talking to yourself, right? Would you just begin to change that voice? Would you begin to speak what God would say to you? Not even what you're always feeling or what you think about yourself? We talk about this some, and I know not everyone um, in here is necessarily connected to social media, but I've just been learning more and more uh, the danger of it. It can be used for so many good things, but I just, in my own soul, there's times where uh, I fill my mind and my soul and my heart with things online before I go to bed. And there's often a spirit of comparison of, of wondering why things are happening in other people's life and not my life. And you, you know, because this is what we do, we, we post the highlights of the best. Yeah. Right? You know that. If you don't know that, please know that. Uh, many of us are not posting the everyday things. And some of you do, and I'm always like, man, that is so honest and real and it's life-giving. But, but, but let's be honest. Uh, most of us are posting the best of the best. And so what happens in the midst of our own spiritual maybe dryness or depression or the, the moments where we have in our own circumstances and relationships, we're comparing real life with someone else's best of the best. And so I in those moments have had to begin to speak truth to my soul. What is true about who I am? What is true about how God sees me? What is true about God's call on my life? And so honestly, I've, I've had to quit uh, looking at it before I go to bed because it's usually the first thing we do before we close our eyes and it's the first thing we do when we wake up in the morning. And so you, you have to begin to learn, what are the voices that you're listening to? What are you pouring into your heart and your mind and your soul? The writers here are pouring into their own soul what is good and true, and that is hopeful. The fourth thing, he remembers and reminds himself of past experiences. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. He says, man, I remember those moments of corporate gathering, of corporate worship. Even in the dryness and feeling alone, I remember being with others and praising God. So we can't always rely on our current emotion or setting. But can you remember when God has been faithful? Can you remember when he seemed so real and present in your life? This wasn't just about him being nostalgic, but this is confirming his faith in what he knows to be true. He begins to remember his experiences. We won't go into a lot of it. If you want to read more, 1 Samuel 7, uh, 12 We we see Ebenezer, and we we sing Come Thou Fountain. There's this word Ebenezer in there, and we often sing it, maybe you don't know what it means. Uh, But it was this moment where they set up a monument, and the purpose of the monument was to remember when God had come through for them, when God had saved them and been faithful, and it was a a monument where they could return to. And in the midst of current circumstances and situations, they could look back and say, yeah, yeah, I know where we're at right now. Seems like we're not going to get out of it. But do you remember? Do you remember the last time God was faithful? And so for me, as I've told you, I'm not really a singer, not a good singer. But there's something about joining together and singing with one another. Oftentimes I don't even sing, but, but I hear collectively in those moments of even like dryness, when I hear someone else singing and proclaiming the truth, it does something to our soul. And it helps us remember the faithfulness. We we speak those words that are true. What we sing in Greg, that's one of the main things Greg wants to make sure we do, is we sing songs that are true. And so when we sing these songs, we are crying out and proclaiming the truth of who God is. And there are moments when I may not feel it, but I sing it and I hold on to the truth that is in them. And so when those moments come, would you remember when God has been faithful and real in your life? And then the fifth thing, and this is how he starts, he thirsts for God. He thirsts for God. Uh, Verse 1 is maybe if you've read uh, the Psalms uh, or if you've been around church, you may even have a coffee cup or a picture in your house uh, with this on there. But as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then there's this cry When can I go and meet with God? When can I go and be in the presence of God? See, this is what I find interesting in all the language that he uses. It's not a hunger, right? You can go weeks without food. But thirst? Have you ever been, like, really thirsty? Have you ever been parched and wondered if you could get a drink of water? I mean, it's three or four days that you can go without water, And you'll see the effects of it quicker than you would of food. And he says, look, the thing is, I know what I need. Not just what I want. I know what my soul needs. My soul needs God. It is a reminder that there is absolutely nothing else that will satisfy us. There's nothing. No person, no relationship, no thing, no new thing or next thing. There's absolutely nothing. And the writer of this, before he shares his emotion of where where he's at, he clings to the truth that he believes and knows that God is what he needs. And that is what will get him through every day. There are going to be things that happen in your life that you wish were different. There is. I wish it wasn't so. I, I, I wish and hope that every one of us live long lives our grief is few, loss is slim, brokenness is rarely experienced, sickness doesn't happen much. Like, that is our hope, right? But we know that's not always true. And we know that in circumstances and situations, there are going to be those feelings of dryness, of being alone, of wondering where God is. Would you cling to the unchanging truth that God is for you and with you, that he loves you and he won't forget you. You may not feel that. You may not even believe that in this moment. But would you just begin to hold on to that truth? Would you, as the author says, put your hope in God as you begin to speak to yourself? Well, Greg's going to come up, and we're going to close with our, our song. And can I once again just encourage you I have found myself in this place recently. <coughs> and there's been moments where I've just wondered and questioned and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm still doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do through prayer and scripture and, a, and I'm trying to speak to my soul. But there are those moments where it's the faith of others that carries me through. It's the conversation with a good friend. who who helps me get through just another day, right? And that's okay. I'm not worried about losing my faith. I'm not worried about walking away. I am speaking to my soul that my hope is in God and God alone. And that's what will get me through it. That's what will get you through it. If you're in it now or if you find yourself in it soon, that it is God who will get you through it. When? I don't know. I don't know. When will you feel it again? I don't know. When will you seem to get out of a circumstance or dryness? I don't know. But as the author says in the end, because nothing really changes, he doesn't see anything change, but he writes once again at the end, and I'll read it again. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, And my God. Would you stand as I pray? God, I'm so thankful that my situation or my circumstance or even my emotions don't change who you are. That you're not blown here or there by circumstances or situations. That you are my rock, my redeemer, you are my savior and my God my hope is in you God would you help us would you help us to be honest with you and where we're at not afraid of our emotion and as we cry out to you Father would we also cling to the the truth of who you are would we speak words of life to ourselves, God would you help us to do that this week would you help us to even memorize and remember these words God thanks for your patience with us Your unconditional love that you have, I cling to that today, and I'm thankful for that. God, we worship you, we trust in you.